we're not really big on titles and things change <laughs> so much around here. Uh, I mean, most people that see me around here, they think I'm the guy that uh, mows the grass, which, <laughs> which I was two years You're ago. Like, here's the weed eater. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Hey, dude, weed eater's over there. This is episode 290 of Bourbon Pursuit, the podcast featuring news, reviews, and interviews with people making the bourbon whiskey industry happen. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Coleman, and before we start today's podcast talking to Dr. Pat Heiss from Wilderness Trail, here's your weekly bourbon news update. Well, some of those predictions for 2021 are already coming to light, and Fred Minix kind of had it all going on the right direction here, because there is a major distillery that has been acquired. MGP has announced a definitive merger to acquire Luxco, representing a deal worth $475 million that's comprised of both equal parts of cash and stock. Now, most of us know by now that MGP is that powerhouse distillery in Lawrenceburg, Indiana that supplies a good percentage of product for source brands on the market, in addition to brands that contract distill through them. And Luxco has a distillery called Lux Row, based in Bartstown, Kentucky, and Luxco also has famous brands such as Ezra Brooks, Rebel Yell, Davis County, Everclear, El Mayer Tequila, and also around 100 other smaller brands. Now, this transaction is anticipated to be completed during the first half of 2021, of course, subject to regulatory approvals and customary closing conditions. You're going to get our full take on this acquisition on the next Bourbon Community Roundtable, which will be recorded on next Monday, February 1st. So follow us on all the social media channels and join our community on Patreon to make sure you can get the link to join us live. 72 U.S. and European associations representing a wide range of industries have sent a letter to President Joe Biden and European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen urging the immediate suspension of tariffs on sectors unrelated to the ongoing transatlantic trade disputes. The group stated that we believe the immediate suspension of these tariffs is a necessary and fundamental action which will provide an economic stimulus at a time when it's needed most. Of course, we've talked about this time and time again, so let's hope it's a move in the right direction. Now moving on to bourbon release news. Woodford Reserve has released its annual expression of Double Double Oaked Bourbon. This product will be available at the Woodford Reserve Distillery starting on 10 a.m. on Wednesday, January 27th of 2021 and can only be purchased in person. Customers may purchase up to four 375 ml bottles, and Double Double Oaked is proofed at Woodford Standard 90.4, with a suggested retail price of $50 for that 375 ml bottle. In honor of the recent inauguration of the first female vice president of the United States, DC-based distillers Republic Restoratives has released Madam, it's a blend of seven-year-old bourbon and five-year-old rye that features a portrait of Kamala Harris on each bottle. This new expression is a collaboration with Lex Marie, a visual artist from the DC area who painted the portrait of Vice President Harris that will be on each bottle of Madam. Pre-orders for Madam are going on now for home delivery in DC and curbside pickup at Republic Restoratives Distillery. Bottles are available on their own for $89 or paired with their I'm Speaking Purpose Rye for $155. Now for us at Pursuit Spirits, things are moving along much faster than we ever expected. Over 70% of Pursuit United has been sold across all states and sealbox.com, leaving only a few hundred bottles remaining. And we can't say thank you enough for everybody that is out there supporting it. And a lot of the honest reviews that are coming from our friends over at Breaking Bourbon, Sippin' Corn, The Mash and Drum, and many others. I promise you all, we do not pay them to say all these nice things, but Believe me, try it for yourself and you'll know. We also need to let you know that we have Pursuit Series single barrels that are still available, including an Applejack brandy finished bourbon from Starlight Distillery. And you can get all the information for everything, plus the links to buy at PursuitSpirits.com. So, I mean, what can you really say about today's guest? Dr. Pat Heiss blew our minds back on episode 121, Going Deep on Yeast. And if you haven't listened to that episode yet, please Take a break, pause, and go listen to that one first before starting this. I promise it's going to be worth your time. Pat has one of the most unique backgrounds in bourbon, and he's even had the opportunity to do a TED Talk, which is just amazing for our industry. Pat is a great friend of the show, and we always enjoy having him drop a knowledge bomb in the comments during our community roundtables. Enjoy today's episode. Now here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. 
I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. This week's idea comes from John Young. He writes me on fredminnick.com. Can you address potential blind bias? You and many other professionals taste so much whiskey, you are bound to identify house flavors or qualities characteristic of certain distilleries. For example, I think wild turkey expressions tend to be very bold and strong in flavor. Not proof, but maybe a little higher in alcohols. Everyone loves Buffalo Trace products. Can the best tasters not identify those products? Or are all Kentucky whiskeys processed so similar that tasters must pick out nuances to identify the best products? Hmm, that is a really great question, John. And I'll tell you, as a taster, I do my very best, my absolute very best, to not have bias going into a blind tasting. I try to not have like music on. I try not to have any, you know, I try to be as neutral as I possibly can. And I don't focus on what it is. If you focus on what it is, you may be focusing on, you know, the wrong thing instead of trying to figure out if you like one glass better than the other. And yes, it is true that sometimes I do know what it is. Like I'll taste it and I'll know like automatically. And that, that's, it's inevitable. It's going to happen with all the people who taste for a living. And the only thing I can tell you is you have to do your best to remove that bias, whatever you may have uh, from it. And I'll tell you, one of the best examples I can give you was in 2013 when we were judging at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. One of the, one of the products we were tasting, we were like, you know, myself and a, another friend, uh, Steve Bill, who's fighting pancreatic cancer right now. Steve, I love you. Um, you know, we looked at each other and we were kind of like, I think that might be Pappy. It might be Pappy, 15-year-old. And sure enough, it was and it won. Uh, but, you know, we we picked it because it was the best whiskey we tasted, not because it was Pappy, 15-year-old. So if you, if and by the way, we both hated the the hype around Pappy, in 2013, so imagine how we feel about it now. So that is the that is one of the things you have to do. You have to like remove like any kind of brand bias. You have to remove all of that stuff the best you possibly can. But at the end of the day, you're only human, and at the, you're going to pick things that are uh, sometimes your preference. Like I love the taste of grains. I love the taste of grains. Kenny loves the taste of sweet oak. I hate the taste of sweet oak. He hates the taste of grains. So we are two tasters on completely different spectrums. And when we taste together, it's fascinating because he's like, I can't believe you like that. And I'm like, I can't believe you like that. So it's it's a fun, uh, it's, it's a fun back and forth. But at the end of the day, you do the best you can. You try to remove the biases the best you can. And that's all you can hope for. After all, we're only human. But there is a mechanical tongue moving its way up the ranks in the tasting circles. And like all things, tasters will probably be replaced by robots pretty soon. And that's this week's Above the Char. Hey, if you're like John and you have an idea for Above the Char, make sure you hit me up on fredminnick.com. That's fredminnick.com. As you can see, I read the ones I really, really like. Until next week, cheers. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 a cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com.
And they're off for another Get 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 000 Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. And we're back with an episode of Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon. And this time, Kenny and Ryan traveling out to Danville. This is only the, let's see, first time that I've actually been to this facility. Second or third time for you now? Second for me. I came down last year, I think it was Bourbon Beyond with the Community Roundtable guys, and we did a pick. That's uh, right. I couldn't be there for it. I was I was traveling and I I like tore my calf muscle before I came here and I was like hobbling around like <laughs> like just all pitiful and whatnot. But uh yeah, excited to be back. I mean, hell, there's already more warehouses here than the last time I was here last year. So uh oh no, it's it, like uh things are going well. There's a lot of good things that we'll be able to talk about, you know, everything that's happening with Wilderness Trail. And you know, I'm really excited to actually bring our guest back on. Last time we had Pat Heist on, Dr. Pat Heist, we it was actually all done online, and I mean, it was a, a yeast fermentation schooling for like an hour. It was one yeah. of the best podcasts that we've ever had. Kenny's eyes glossed over. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I don't know what the hell y'all are talking about. Oh, there was so much but, going but I had, on. I've had so many people in the industry, they would text me like, hey, you got Pat's info. I need a question about, you know, this or that or whatever's going on my tank from that episode. So mm-hmm. I think people liked it. It's, yeah, it's got some good action. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff that came out of that one. So so here it is, voice. Let's go ahead and introduce him. So, of course, we have Dr. Pat Heist. Uh, I don't know. I probably should have asked this before we started. Like, what's your title that you go by here now at Wilderness Trail? Uh, I mean, we're not really big on titles and things change so much around here. Uh, I mean, most people that see me around here, they think I'm the guy that uh, mows the grass, which, which I was two years You're ago. Like, here's the weed eater. Yeah, 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 exactly. Hey, dude, weed eaters over there. I'm yeah. sitting there trying to sign their bottle, you know. Um, but yeah, we don't really do titles around here. All right. Very so nice. Just Pat Heist of uh, Wilderness Trail then. There you, there you go. go. That's easy enough. So, so Pat, we're doing something new this season. We kind of start this with a, a random icebreaker. And so oh, here's, here's one we got for you. So would you rather travel back in time to meet your ancestors or to the future to meet your descendants? Mm. Oh, wow. Well, that's a damn good question. I would say uh, travel to the future to meet my descendants. Mm-hmm. Not scared of uh, like any sort of like, oh gosh, like what's going to happen here? Like they end up in jail. Like we can fix no, this now. Like, no, cause, cause you feel yeah. like you're going to go back to the moment in time and you can like write some wrongs or something like that. Well, hopefully they're they'd be doing good. <laughs> yeah. if, if the population of the earth isn't extinct by then. Yeah. No, now, that's really what I would want to know. Am I going to still be alive in 300 years? Like, are they ever going to figure out how to like insert new, uh, you know, brains and organs? And cause I, I want to stick around way longer than you got years. some grass to mow, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Place to go to hell on ham. <laughs> I wasn't here mowing. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully it's still your whiskey around in 300 years. I mean, it's funny. Like you think about it, if you try and travel to 300 years, like what if you just show up and it's just black? You just look around and there's just darkness because yeah, who knows? It could be over. Yeah. Wait, I want to change my mind. I'm going to go back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dang, Kenny, this is a deep question. Oh, it's yeah. like you've been listening to Joe Rogan or something. Well, this hey. Stuff he asked. You're up next. What would you rather do? Ah, oh, man. Probably ancestors just because... I don't want to know, think about dying. I don't know. I think going into the future, that means I'm dead and gone. And I'd, I'd like to look back and maybe see where I came from and see why I am the way I am and why I'm so screwed up. <laughs> Fill in all those bubbles in your family exactly, tree that yeah. are like, where'd, where'd this gene come from? All the way back to Howardstown, Kentucky to see like, what the hell just happened to make me here sitting with you all. Mm-hmm. So I think that'd be cool, but future would be cool too. But I don't know. Death kind of freaks me out. So yeah, that's understandable. It's understandable. I think I might be with Pat. I might I might travel to the future on this one. 
only because a i've always just you know you want to see what the future is like uh, but b you know you, you think about the past and you're like okay well this is all kind of like what made me but i'll never get to see what i make right and, and maybe that's even a question we could even start leading it with bourbon is you know we start talking to people like uh you know like jimmy and eddie russell and you know you know the shapiro family and everything like that and, you know you're you're putting down whiskey right now for generations to come and some of this whiskey like you're never gonna be able to taste it at some point in your life like kind of kind of talk about that can he just well no, he just I mean, said you're gonna die in the no, next no. Uh, so let's let's think about it so like when we talk how old's your oldest whiskey six seven years you're, you're gone man <laughs> <laughs> okay mate let's let's rewind this one back a little bit so we talked to like freddie johnson he's like oh you know he's putting down whiskey right now for you know pappy 23 and whatever you know and i'm sure that you all have like aspirations of like yeah we want to have like a 20 year old whiskey one day and then let's fast forward 20 years from now and you're still putting down whiskey. That'll be 20 years. And some, yeah, is that whiskey? Well, as well as, you know, a lot of those bottles will likely survive, you know, well into the future. So right. there'll definitely be whiskey, wilderness trail whiskey in bottles. It'll be dusty yeah, future yeah. wilderness trails. Exactly. Future dusties. <laughs> <laughs> you get some sort of recipe you're, you're cranking on there for future dusty recipes. Yeah. 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 Those few little infinity barrels going on. Okay, well, tell us about it a little bit. What's, what's kind of got, got kind of cooking up over here? Yeah, well, I mean, there are different things that we're planning on doing, um, and some of those things we we're actually planning on doing back the last time I talked to you guys. So you, we haven't got around to doing some a lot of the things that we want to do. It's been a few years now. I think that's what you've been on. So yeah, yeah, yeah several years, like three or four, years. three, two, three. Yeah, yeah I yeah. don't know. I remember, I lose track. I think we that's were, why I need to go back in the past because I don't remember yeah. much of it. Yeah, because we had you and Shane both on pretty pretty close back to back when when Wilderness Trail was like really starting to come online and getting sort of bottles to the market and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. So I guess one of the most exciting things, and and this may not sound very exciting. But, you know, just getting into older stuff. I mean, you know, just even considering the mash bills that we make, you know, our weeded bourbon, our rye bourbon, and our rye whiskey, you know, just hitting three years, four years, we're into, we'll be into seven-year-old in October. So, you know, just kind of getting more age on it. We just released a six-year recently. You know, until then, we had only done a bottle and bond that it was four to five years old. And so uh, there's six years out on the shelf now. Uh, but, you know, we're really looking forward to getting to that 10 and 12 year. You know, if you look at some of the most popular uh, weeded bourbons like Weller 12, you know, I want to have Wilderness Trail 12 sitting right there with it, you know. And uh, so that's some excitement um, that may or may not be very exciting. I but think, I, I think exciting. it's pretty exciting. Yeah. 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 Well, just the fact we're able to hold on to those barrels, you know, that You're like, long. I really want to dump in and make some money now, but I got <laughs> oh, yeah. to hang on to it. That's right. So, you know, there's there's long-term planning involved with with doing that, you know. I mean, we got people beating our door down wanting to do barrel picks and different things, and we've got the barrels, but if you never let it get old, you'll never have old stuff. Hence the reason why we're here yeah, today. Like, we're actually choosing a barrel here today. So, yeah. so how do you, how do you go about that? Uh, I guess determining like do you have is there a formula like all right, we got X percent devoted to aging, we got X percent allocated towards we're going to do now and then we have towards this brand. So what I did is get a business partner that's real good at math, and uh, he <laughs> controls a lot of the spreadsheets and things. Looking, I mean, I take a peek every now and then. Yeah, but Shane, when, you, is, when you're is taking really a break a, from mowing, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I come in to put sunscreen on or something. <laughs> they let me have it, or if they let me in the door. Yeah, uh, you got grass on you, dude. Time to go back out. Yeah. So, uh, but Shane, he's a really he's a mastermind of of things like that. You know, I mean forecasting um, yeah stuff. forecasting you know not only all the intricacies of this business i mean you look at i mean you know we're we're purchasing millions of bushels of grain i mean you don't just go to a farmer and say hey man i need a million bushels you know yeah or you i go need to, or you I go need to like, three million I'll just, I'll just take your farm is that okay well exactly and so the the planning you know i mean you don't just go to independent yeah. Dave and say hey i need seventy thousand barrels this year you know it, it there's long term it's such you know, a weird business because it's so capital intensive because you're like all right i gotta make money now but also i have to make money in the future and i have to like you know it's not like those are go hand in hand so it's very difficult to like make it all work what's well, another reason to go to the future if all my future uh, ancestors are uh living in mansions or something i'll know we hit it <laughs> and after they're all destitute and in the uh, debtor's prison i'll know oh god <laughs> 
Time to get in different shit, business. Shit hit the fan. <laughs> <laughs> like which which descendant did I leave this to that I, I need to write that wrong at some point? Yeah. Tornado <laughs> but, knocked you know, down the but there is a lot of uh I mean, you know, talking about the grain and, and even the process for making the bourbon, you know, sourcing the barrels, keeping the uh, bottling facility up there in fresh bottles and corks and labels, uh, those kind of things. Stillage management. I mean, we generate a hundred thousand gallons of stillage here every day, seven days a week. So we get that's what the byproduct that we give away to cattle farmers. Well, that's something that has to be managed. It's probably one of the hardest jobs here on site is getting rid of that stillage. You know, yeah. like I said, that's fifteen truckloads a day going out of here. We got our own trucks. We're trying to give this stuff away, and there's different dynamics depending on the summer or the winter because winter time. There ain't no grass on the field, so the cattle ain't playing ball at their field. But anyway, uh, they'll, it's more easy to get rid of stillage in the wintertime than it is in the summertime. You know, we've got farmers who, it's like, oh, where'd he go this week? You know, that's 15,000 gallons we were counting on him for. Oh, he's up at the, you know, Cattlemen's Association meeting in, in New Jersey. <laughs> Chase him down. Take the stillage, man. Yeah, exactly. Come man. get your stillage. Yeah, I've yeah. been like, you just lost part of your allocation, buddy. It's yeah. all about communication. That's right. Well, and you think, well, can't you hide a little bit here and a little bit there? It's like, dude, we'd be a million gallons in after 10 days. <laughs> you know, so it's. it's we just ain't got the room for that. Yeah. That's right. But, you know, just all the different things that people don't realize besides the capital intensity of, you know, building these rickhouses. I mean, we're planning on building a 24,000 barrel rickhouse, completing one every 100 days from now for the next three years. So we're putting 11 more across the street. In addition to that, we just finished one. We got the footer done for one over here. We got 11 more going across the street. And, that, and that'll get us like three and a half years. Wow. So, yeah, I always tell people last time I came, I think y'all are making just as much as like wild turkey is these days now or more maybe. And they're always amazed. They're like, really? They make that much? Talk about like what you're all up to producing now and whatnot. Well, we're up to 220 barrels a day. So, and that's seven days a week. So we're operating uh, three shifts, uh, 24 hours a day. Um, so now we do have planned shutdowns and things like that. But if I'm not mistaken, again, I'd defer to Shane for this question, but I think we're on schedule to do 65,000 barrels. Wow. This year. We said that in unison because that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Well, and you see the guys putting them away every day and they're probably out there saying something else. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> like, damn it. Yeah. Will they ever slow down? That's right. I mean, that kind of goes back to the thing with Shane about forecasting because it's like, I hardly even see you all forecasting. You're just like putting the pedal down to the floor and saying, let's just keep cranking out yep. as much as we can. Yeah. A lot of questions or a question we get from a lot of our, you know, we work with other distilleries on their yeast business. So we work with hundreds of distilleries. And so a lot of, especially the newer ones are like asking this question of, you know, how much bourbon should I make? And it's like, if you look at what we're doing, we're putting the chips right as in the middle much of the as table, you can as much as we can possibly afford that's why i dress like a homeless person <laughs> i don't have a damn dime to my name but uh you should have told us we could have at least have, brought you a bourbon pursuit t-shirt you could have brought me a sandwich or something <laughs> <laughs> or half of you uh, yeah. eating one <laughs> bottle of water or something <laughs> yeah but uh it is it's it's crazy you know and, and we have just said hammer down let's get her done here i was about to say i mean at this at this rate I mean, so you said you you basically have this plan for the next three years. At the three-year mark, are you like, okay, now we can start tailoring off a little bit? Like, what is the pipeline of the number of barrels that you want to have that you can say, like, okay, we don't need to be running seven days a week, you know, th we'll say 350 because you got to have some sort of shutdown. So what is that What is that magic number? Do you all know what it is yet? Well, I mean, you know, if you look at our capacity, which is probably slightly north of 70,000 barrels a year. And the only reason we won't hit that in 2020 is because we ran part of the year at five days a week uh, with an occasional weekend shift kicking in. It's nice to give people a break for the holidays. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and, you know, and, and now that we've kind of filled out our team, we've got floaters, you know, people who are trained in, in all different areas. So if we got somebody who gets sick or somebody that needs some time, you know, we've got it kind of covered, whereas, you know, a long time ago, when we first started, which wasn't too damn long ago, it was less than seven years ago. I mean, there'd be days where I'd be cooking, Shane'd be cooking, we'd be distilling, or he'd be distilling. 
uh, you know, if we, especially if we had one of our people who, you know, was gone that day, it was never a matter of, well, we just want to steal today. Right. It's usually like, shit, man, somebody's got to do it. So, you know, roll up your sleeves and get out there and Somebody's got to pick up the slack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got to stop mowing, get, get in there uh-huh. and start, yeah, start yeah. cooking. Got to slow the mower down. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's going to take me a while. <laughs> Some tells me there's going to be a lot of mowing jokes yeah. this, this, this episode here. Well, we used to be at a different location. I don't know if either of you. I don't think I, no, we went weren't to where we were, you know, the original firm solutions building, which we still do a lot of, uh, packaging of different, you know, yeast and, and different, uh, fermentation adjuncts that we sell. Um, that's still a lot of that's done over at that building, but that's where we had our distillery, our pot still. And we actually stored barrels over there for a while and then realized we have to build a storage facility. So we bought this place really with, I don't think it, when we bought it, we had intended on even using this home. We were kind of happy that we were able to, cause we're in the industrial park here. Yeah. And this home was up on a chopping block. You know, somebody could have bought this property and tore this home down. So we were kind of happy that uh, we were able to keep the home. And then we built the barrel warehouse out here. That was the main reason we, the 2200 barrel warehouse, which is, was going to be our forever house back then, <laughs> you know, 300 barrels a year, five years, you know, that left. Now you're 10 it. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're built, filling a 20,000 barrel house every 90 to a hundred days. So yeah, it's a little different world. Whose idea was it to say, let's, let's go ahead and really, as you said, put all the chips in because if the idea originally was to have our 300 barrel warehouse and that was probably, uh, I mean, for us, that'd be like, Hey, that's, that's fun stuff, right? We, we can manage this. Like whose idea was it to say, like, we, we need to like get a couple million and let's really go at this thing. Um, I mean, it's, it's really amazing how organically everything has occurred. And, you know, Shane and I, we own firm solutions and wilderness trail. We're not encumbered by you know, a board of directors. I mean, we are the board of directors. <laughs> yeah. We can go that, up to Dairy nice. Queen, get a blizzard, and by the time we got back, we've had a board meeting. Uh, made important <laughs> decisions. Two eyes or two nays. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, we'd be chilling out, grilling or something, and be like, you know what, let's let's do this. And, and I think both of us have always been really good at noticing good opportunities. And, and without much, you know, you kind of create a little thought experiment in your head of like, okay, I, I see the money that's going to take to to complete this project. Well, what's the upside? And and without even breaking out a calculator, it's like, oh man, that's just smart decision. Yeah, you know. So a lot of times we're just making decisions very smoothly and transitioning. You know, our size of the distillery has been. You know, we. Um, I think one of the big things for us, which isn't any big secret, is we do a good bit of contract manufacturing right now for mm-hmm. other places. And so there was a need for that. I mean, all the big guys used, for the most part, uh, used to do a lot of contract production. And now it's like, hey, no way, bourbon's hot right now. So, you know, you're, the big brands are busy expanding their operations to make even more for themselves. So all of a sudden, there was this glut of people who used to get their stuff made at other places. And there's also kind of been a little bit of a exodus from anything that's not Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it says Indiana on it, you know, I mean, uh, MGP makes, you know, well, well aware of their, you know, yeah. historic uh, role as contract producers. But we, you know, where we deal with a lot of people who have contract production, there's something about Indiana. They make some of the best juice on the planet, no doubt about it. But just having that Kentucky on the bottle also kind of sent some people our way and just, you know, it just. Yeah. So you're in huge favor of the like the one year and a day rule where it says because that's the the rule is it has to age here a year and a day to be called Kentucky bourbon. Right. Yeah. And so for someone contract stealing out a different state, they have to produce here age a year, here and a day for it to be called Kentucky. And that's very advantageous for someone who's got a stiller, distillery here in the state. Yeah. Yeah, well, the other side of that is, you know, we store for the people we make it for. I mean, most often people who want thousands of barrels, let's say, they're not necessarily, they might not even have the capability of taking those barrels mm-hmm. uh, outside of storage even. I think that's probably the next big thing that we're all realizing is that there's actually a storage problem. Yeah, there is a big storage problem right now. And so for us to take on that contract production, we have to also supply storage, which has kind of become another business for us. You know, I mean, if we finish a 20,000 barrel house, 
we know we're going to fill it in three or four months, but we might sneak five or 6,000 barrels in there. Somebody who's just like, man, I, I just got to have a place to put these for three or four months. You know, we can kind of manage that mm-hmm. and maximize the profitability of those buildings. So, uh, which is a whole nother thing to manage, you know, not only building them and paying for building them, but you know, where in the hell's the barrels? You got five barrels with us. Where are <laughs> they? You know, are they, how deep are they in these ricks? You got to move stuff out. You got to move, I mean, trucks, loading trucks, logistic wise. It's a, that's a, oh, that's yeah. a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Well, that's where Baker and the spreadsheets <laughs> come back into play, yeah. man, you know, and we got great team out there, you know, management team, um, that, that we direct, but they, you know, well, the team we got here, man, going from the people that put the barrels away to the people cooking and, and fermenting and distilling, we just got a class operation, our maintenance team everybody laboratory i mean it's it's pretty great situation so one thing that you had mentioned about you know just kentucky and the work kentucky on it you know i want to talk a little bit about uh, your tedx talk that you had because you had a pretty funny joke that you started opening up with i kind of want you to uh, let the let the listeners hear about that too let's see about uh you know you can make bourbon in anywhere oh yeah yeah you can that's actually a direct quote from somebody else famous in the industry (laughs) but i can't remember who in the heck it was uh, it might have been Parker Beam. Um, I think he actually said it in in maybe Neat or one of those bourbon shows. Yeah. Or Bourbon Tucky or one of those. Um, but he was uh he said that if you wanna uh you can make bourbon anywhere in the United States, but if you want to sell it better damn well be made in Kentucky. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Which which there's a lot of great distilleries outside of Kentucky. And actually when I went to the TED talk. There was a distillery uh, that I visited in Fallon, Nevada, called Frey Ranch. Oh yes, they yeah. Sent us the bottle, yeah. Okay, oh, fantastic. Oh, yeah, stuff. yeah. Did you get the bar- the bourbon or the rye? The bourbon, the four okay. grain, four grain bourbon, right? Yeah, it's four grain bourbon. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And they really and they have a hundred percent rye that just I just got a bottle the other day, but I brought two cases of the uh, the bourbon back with me. Yeah, it's bottles, a, man. It's you a nice it's bottle. A, yeah, you take that to a pawn shop. Oh, yeah. I, can't, I can't bring myself to throw them away. Oh, like, I know. It's I mean, so much gold on that thing. You yeah, know? the damn weighs a ton. The cork caps, you'd use it as a lug nut on a tractor. <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah, a cotter pin or something. Yeah. yeah, but that's a great example of a distillery that's not in Kentucky that's making dang good bourbon. Yeah, what, what if they were here, how? You know how popular would they be? I think that's the one question that we always see is you know whether if, if a that lot of came here, say like Fraser Ranch was making whiskey in Kentucky, how much how how big a difference would that make in their appeal or popularity? Well, the thing about them is there's not too many distilleries that I know of in Kentucky that are growing all their own grains. Yeah, I mean they're growing all their own grains on their own ranch right there at the distillery. So I don't even know if that situation could exist in Kentucky. You know, the amount of acreage that it would take to do that. I mean, they're sitting on like 2,000 acres, 1,600 acres, it says it on the bottle. But, um, you know, that's just a really unique situation. Now, one thing, which was the uh, premise of my TED Talk, was talking about climate and and barrel aging. And out there, they have super arid, uh, you know, they don't have much humidity in there. Mm -hmm. So they've actually got regulated humidity in their barrel rooms. And so what does that do? Good, bad, or... Well, if you don't have the, if you don't have a certain amount of humidity, you'll have an ex- astronomical amount of uh, evaporative loss. So you, you may not have anything left after four or five years. So basically they just are putting everything in like a, like a wine fridge, if you will, to try to cool it down. Well, and- I don't know that the warehouses are temperature regulated because they have good temperature. Yeah, because the, hell, like the a, humidity out there, because they're about tall. I mean, it can be 40 at night and then 90 during the day. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So and I mean, it's just real low humidity. Yeah. So, so does another, that age uh, it faster? So like, because at four years, I mean, that, that phrase ranch was really good. Well, and they're putting it in 53 gallon barrels and um, I, they had a combination of Rick houses as well as, um, I don't know if it was, I think it was palletized. But uh, that's just an example of uh, a great distillery that's not in Kentucky. All right. Yeah. Let's quit talking about somebody yeah, else's we'll whiskey. We'll kind of yeah. back exactly. to you a little bit. Now, there is another question I want to talk to you about, like just the TED Talk, because you've kind of like now moved to an echelon. It's basically, I think, like you and Marion Eves. Like, I don't know if there's any other people within the whiskey industry or bourbon industry, whiskey probably, but bourbon industry in general that we all know of that have given a TED Talk. Like, kind of talk about. Yeah, I'm super jealous. Like, I've always thought, like, like, how awesome would it be to get on stage and do a TED Talk? Talk about the preparation, 
the audience, the feel? Like, what was that moment like? Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone. Transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. I've always thought, like, like how awesome would it be to get on stage and do a TED Talk? Talk about the preparation, the audience, the feel, like what was that moment like? Yeah. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a seasoned lecturer. I mean, I've given, given thousands of lectures when I was a medical school professor. Um, I've done a lot of conferences and, and I get asked to speak at a lot of different things. But the TED Talk was probably the most challenging talk that I've ever had to prepare for. Not only the fact that I'm a huge procrastinator and, <laughs> and you actually had to like, hey, uh, four months before your TED Talk, we're going to need you to run through it once for us. Four months. And it's like, oh, well, wow. or, or however long it was. Yeah, it might yeah. have been two months, but it was a lot of time. And normally I would have been writing it the night before. On the you plane, know. you know. Yeah, yeah. Plane exactly. right there. Yeah, I'm out at uh, Fry Ranch like, what, right, what are you doing <laughs> over there? I'm making a TED Talk tomorrow. But, uh, you know, the I had a coach that uh, is, is actually a really big bourbon fan. Who, who helped me along, you know, throughout the time, you know, where I would just to help because it's a 10 minute talk, you know, and to tell as much information. I mean, I can give a 16 hour talk on bourbon way easier than I can give a 10 minute talk. Yeah. Because there's just so many things that you tend to want to add. I don't want to leave that out. You know, I don't want to leave that out. But you have to sculpt it to where, you know, it's a 10 minute talk. It's impactful. And, uh, you know, and you get it done in the time limit, you know, and not make an ass out of yourself. And, and it's going <laughs> to go on YouTube. Not there and all, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because those things get a lot of views. And so uh, I was nervous for several reasons. But I've always, I'm getting nervous about things like that sometimes. But I can't think of one time, not trying to brag here, but it just always works out. I don't know, you know, maybe I just talk a lot rise the occasion yeah yeah exactly but i was feeling pretty good about it but it was in front of an audience of about 2200 which was a little intimidating and there was some great i was the second to the last speaker of the day and so there had already been some really great talks leading up to mine Uh, and then the guy who closed after me was a comedian so it was like you know you don't really want to follow (laughs) no 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 well he was after me so, uh, but there was some really good talks that day and it, it turned out great. You know, I, I finished it. I was happy with outside of, at the very, very beginning of it. It's like, my name's Pat Heiss and I, uh, co-own a company called, I was, I got so many damn companies, you know, it's hard to remember which one I'm here for. Oh, that's right. It's Wilderness Trail. Oh man, that's awesome. So some other recent news, uh, that has happened is you all had filled up your 100,000th barrel. Wow. Congratulations. I mean, mean, that's, you're on a trajectory. I mean, you've already talked about, you know, kind of, you know, pedal the metal and everything like that. You're going to celebrate every 100,000 or you're like, okay, next time we'll celebrate at the millions. Like what's your, what's your next 
well, achievement there? Um, you know, if you look at the fact we've been distilling now for right out about seven years, and we filled our 50,000th barrel one year ago. So our 100,000th barrel was just in the last couple of weeks. Wow. So, you know, we're kind of booking long. At, and you can kind of see just based on that milestone how many barrels we produced, 50,000 barrels, you know, in 12 months. Uh, when we used to produce 300 in a whole year. So, um, you know, and we'll be coming up on our 200,000th fairly quick, you know, within, you know, a year from now. So, uh, or, well, just a little beyond. I was going to say, you now. can't have more plans to expand, can you? No, no, no. I think <laughs> we're, I think we're good on capacity. Okay. It's just, you know, right now, and who knows what the future looks like on contract production. I mean, right now, every bit of extra capacity that we have is taken through, you know, a certain part of 2021 in addition to what we're making for ourselves, which I'm... I'm not exactly sure. Again, I have to go back to a baker's notes. But, <laughs> Bring the spreadsheets um, out. I think we're putting back close to 20,000 barrels for Wilderness Trail this year. Wow. So talk about what, where, uh, where is Wilderness Trail? Where, what's the, I guess, the state of the union with Wilderness Trail, like that brand and where it states, what, where can people get it, all that stuff? Yep. Uh, well, Kentucky's our biggest state, but we're in. Go figure. Yeah, yeah go figure that. Um, but, you know. We're in, I think we're in 26 states now. Wow. Uh, but some of the big markets we've just gotten into, probably two or three months before COVID hit, uh, I was doing a lot of traveling out on the West Coast, supporting, you know, in in California. We just got into Washington, Arizona, Nevada. Um, I was actually, uh, did when I did my TED Talk, I was doing tastings during the day. You know, when, I, oh, I got a couple hours to spare, I'll go do a tasting at a liquor store or, or visit a distillery. You know, try to trump up some yeast business. No, okay, now I got to go. I got to get back and do my TED Talk. I try to. Look at you always selling. Yeah. Know? Well, personally. You hit it from uh, all angles, you know. Yeah, personally, after, a, a you know, an eight or ten hour day, I'm ready for about eight hours hanging out at a bar. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I usually get in pretty long days in terms of impact. Work hard, uh, play hard. That's right. Yeah, but it's all work, you know. It, right. It, it all counts as work, you know. It's all brand ambassador type stuff, so. It's all um, it's all expensable at that point, right? So Well, I yeah, better. you can say that, yeah. <laughs> but if you're the one paying for it, it's kind of like, let's see, uh, I'm going to get a steak tonight because I don't feel real good. You know, <laughs> okay, that's, that's just double. <laughs> That's gotta be awesome though. You go to California, like, cause you're, you're so fun to be around. You're enjoyable and you know, your character, you're, you mow the grass and whatnot. Do you know, you go, and what's the reception like? Well, I'll tell you one thing, um, you know, Shane and I both, I mean, I feel like, uh, you know, we're easy. It's easy for us to make friends. I mean, we're happy go lucky guys. I mean, we, we enjoy, we like having fun. We like drinking bourbon. Um, so it's not like we're trying to sell some, story we're experts in that you know we're known as the science guys of bourbon and a lot of times that reputation precedes us so before somebody meets us if they know what they're if they know anything about bourbon they already know what our situation is in terms yeah. of our firm solutions business but another thing you know where we do business with so many different distilleries in so many different states um those guys are like oh man these what kind of whiskey are they gonna have because they taught us everything we know about distilling or, or fermenting or whatever. And so we have a lot of ambassadors who work at other distilleries in all these different states who are, you know, they're our ambassadors and we don't pay them a dime. In fact, they do business with us. Right. So, um, but we have had a really good reception. I was uh, traveling through Georgia not too long ago and I stopped at a, uh, I actually stopped at several liquor stores. And a lot of times when you, when they don't have your stuff, okay, well, this is an opportunity to introduce myself. And, and you know, if they have it, then I just want to play mystery shopper. You know, oh, what's this stuff over here? You know, <laughs> never saw that before. Uh, and then start asking them questions about bourbon production, let them dig a deep hole. <laughs> and <they're> like, okay. <laughs> but anyhow, I was uh, going through Georgia and I finally came on a store that had our stuff and they had like barrel picks and they had, uh, you know, one of each of our uh, three different expressions. And I, was buying some bottles for a friend that lived in the area, and I got four bottles of Wilderness, and I took it up. And I had a face mask on. I actually had my Slayer face mask on at the time, a little bit of my beard poking out from the bottom, <laughs> which actually looks like chest hairs. It's kind of weird. Uh, but anyhow, this guy, uh, the guy was ringing me up, and he said, oh, I see you got the good stuff there, you know. And he was a big Wilderness fan. And like I said, I was just going to play mystery shopper. Yeah. 
ask him some questions and things. And then some other dude spotted me out with my face mask on. He's like, that's Dr. Pat right there. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. Man. I thought I was going to really get killed or something. <laughs> the next thing you know, we're out front of the liquor store getting our pictures made, and signing stuff. It was like, man, this is crazy, you know. That's really awesome. You, you, you turn into a bourbon celebrity now. Well, ever since I is. did bourbon pursuit yeah. that time, it just was all. Uh, that's what happened. We put you on the map. That's how that, that's caught fire. Yeah, we'll go. Yeah, ahead. We'll, we'll wait, wait for that check. <laughs> we'll get our check mail soon. <laughs> yeah. So with the firm solutions business, I'm guessing that you know you probably don't dedicate like oh half time to here, half time there. It's just it's just all kind of like comes in when it comes in and stuff like that. But for yourself, when you are, I'm trying to think of like the variability. You know, you talk to a bunch of different distilleries and. You know, you have probably what, like over a hundred different kinds of yeast or something like that you can offer? About like, 9,000. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I there's a little bit. We only sell yeah. about 15 of those though. Okay. I was about to say, I was like, never been good at counting, you know, jelly beans in a jar, but I was definitely shooting low on that one. So if, if there's 15 different yeast varieties and it comes time for you to start creating your own whiskey, what, how do you choose like, okay, I want this yeast variety. I want this mash bill. I want corn from this farmer like how did you dial down the variables to say like this is what we can do consistently or did you say like i don't care about consistency well um anybody that's ever seen any of my lectures has heard the quote consistency is the mark of a pro which i think that might have even been parker beam that said that too <laughs> um but anyhow consistency is is what it's all about i mean if we're talking about creating our Weeded mash recipe, 64 corn, 24 wheat, 12% malted barley. It needs to be consistent. And, and so, I mean, we don't really do a lot of messing around up here in the bottling facility. Whenever we do a single barrel, it's like there's a barrel that's four or five years old. Take it up there and bottle it. I mean, we're, we're tasting it and stuff, but we're, we're seeing really good consistency. And it's because we pay close attention to consistency um you know the grains that we get are almost all from a local farm here in bowl county so one farmer one uh area of land that the, that the grain is grown on um the the process that we use we got firm solutions right here on site so we're running their legs off every day with different lab tests you know if i want to get starch test in the grain I want moisture testing i want to run liquid chromatography on fermentation at least three times throughout the course of the first few days i want to know what the yeast population is what's the viability of that population what percentage of the yeast are actively reproducing at any given time we look at a lot of different factors sugar consumption alcohol production organic acid production and that just gets us up to the end of fermentation. Then you run that through the still, and we've got gas chromatography that we use to look at basically heads, tails, hearts, uh, components, high boiling chemicals, low boiling chemicals. We're doing some uh, research right now with uh, University of Miami, Ohio, and they're incorporating uh, mass spectroscopy, and they have already identified 1,700 different chemicals in bourbon. So Thanks. our wow. lab is collecting, like anytime we have a sample that's got a little bit of an off flavor, we'll make a note of that, then we'll collect the sample of that and we'll send it to them and they'll run it and compared to a control. So you run one that doesn't have that flavor. Here's your 1700 chemicals. Now I want to run the one that's got that flavor. Now I'll use computer software to subtract out everything that's common between them and it'll be like, bam. Right there there's that I, one compound yeah throwing it off yeah and sometimes we'll link that to a contaminating organism that was in the fermenter so then we've got the microbiology going on in the lab where they're culturing organisms so if we get a certain flavor profile it's like man what the hell is doing that and why was it so different than everything else then we go back to the bacteria which we got probably fifty thousand different bacteria um and sometimes you can isolate a bacterium in pure culture and you smell that plate, and there's the damn exact chemical. And then you can grow that bacteria in a solution, and you'll make that chemical. So, I mean, we sell bacteria to some distillery. They put bacteria in the dang process because it helps flavor. Yeah. You're like a thousand steps ahead of any other distillery, you know, starting off just because you have all these resources, you know, around you. And so how instrumental is that for you guys? Um, well, I mean, the, and again, this is a team effort, you know, back to when you were saying, uh, 
you know, how did we formulate the mash bills? You know, Shane, he, he did a lot of that uh, initial mash bill calculations based on some things that, you know, not only what is our favorite bourbon. I mean, to me, if you're asking the question of what kind of bourbon should I make, it's like, well, what kind do you like? Yeah. You know, and then just figure out what the mash recipe for that is. And that's a really easy way to not recreate the wheel. But, you know, um, just having a team to, uh, to, to do that. Yeah. Well, I can tell you all aren't messing around. I mean, just with the the process that you went through, I don't think we've ever had a guest that said like, oh yeah, we, we hit all these check boxes. I mean, is there, is that something that, that you see common that you've just basically ex- explained to us? Or is that something that's very unique to you all in saying that, yeah, we're, we're checking literally every se- single step of this process before it even enters the barrel? Yeah, we, we do. I would say a lot more than most, most distillers. Now, you know, any of the bigger distilleries, uh, based on our experience, they're going to have things like liquid chromatography. They're looking at uh, a lot of different chemicals in there. But I think the thing that sets us apart is the microbiology, you know, having the organisms out of there. I don't know of any uh, beverage alcohol distillery that currently employs the type of microbiology that we do to complement that chemical analysis. So, and, and we've got that data from, you know, hundreds of other distilleries. I mean, our, that 50,000 bacteria out there, probably a hundred of them are from Wilderness Trail and the other, you know, 50,000 or whatever are from all the other distilleries, including some of the most famous old Scotch distilleries. I mean, you go start, you know, plan on uh, recreating some of these old distilleries, whiskeys, and you almost certainly would have to incorporate yeah. some of the contaminants in there. Are some of your competitors like, damn it, Pat, you've been using us all these years to get get to where you are, you know, like you got all this information and all this stuff, yeah. like the conflict of interest you, type no, thing. No, he basically actually, like like sucked out their DNA right. and uh, like built his own, own robot out of it, yeah. Yep, pretty much. But uh, actually, <laughs> we, um, you know, we thought about that whenever we started the distillery. And initially we were like, well, they don't really care about us. We're just making a barrel a day. We're only going to make gonna... 300 barrels, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it's we've actually had an easier time selling i mean our business has transitioned over from like fuel alcohol when we first started we were looking at fuel alcohol distilleries because their fermenters are nine hundred thousand gallons a piece so when you're talking about feeding those kind of customers with yeast i mean we've got some fuel alcohol customers that you're talking about 10 tons a month wow type of situation so that's the elephant in the room in terms of who you want to go after as a yeast supplier um but when we started Wilderness Trail, all of a sudden we started getting a lot more credibility, especially now that our whiskeys are out. It's like, well, how do I know your yeast is any good? It's like, well, hell, try the damn whiskey there. Yeah. You know? Help sells itself. Yeah. And they're like, which one was that? And it's like, well, I'll tell you right now, FP1 or 927, we got numbers for all of our different yeast that we market. So it's been, um, it's been a big deal for Wilderness Trail and Firm Solutions. You know, we get a lot of business on Firm Solutions from people visiting here, you know, that they're visiting because they're going to the bourbon trail and then they realize, oh, you guys sell brewer's yeast, you sell distiller's yeast or nutrients or whatever. And the next thing you know, they're our customers, you know, and then they're telling their friends, man, these people I buy my whiskey from, I'm also getting the yeast from. <laughs> so it's like, you just kind of create a- You're just double dipping now. That's yeah, like, man. <laughs> that's, that's what it's all about though. You oh know, yeah. It's like a little firestorm. Mm-hmm. You don't have to moonlight anymore. They just turned into one business. Mm-hmm. So you talk about all the bacteria that comes into it. Um, I want to think about uh, what about like when we used to be able to go to like Maker's Mark and you like dip your fingers in the fermentation tank. Is there, how much more yeast is being added by 40 people that keep dipping their fingers in the tank while they're uh, tasting the, you know, the, the mash that's going? Well, if you have a healthy fermentation, you should have a population of yeast somewhere around 150 million cells per milliliter. So basically, that's every, about what I was about to say. I was about to say about 100, 100 million. Yeah. Yeah. We so, were talking about on the way down. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. I thought it was 300. Yeah. You know, it, it can go as high as 600 million, but the distiller strains on open top fermenters, just looking across different distilleries and also the data we collect here, we're looking at it, it depends on the yeast strain. Some of them's 90, some of them 175, some of them might go over 200, but right in that 150 million cells per milliliter. Uh, you know, about the end of your finger, that's that's a shitload of yeast cells. So if you consider that your finger may or may not even have any yeast on it, unless you've been sticking your finger in multiple fermenters uh, in the course of a day, 
It's like being a Willy Wonka thing. Just yeah. like a little bit of here, a little bit there. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like if you threw one dude into the middle of all the orcs yeah. in the, just, uh, in the battle on um, whatever. It's a competition thing. Those yeast aren't going to allow no. that to get established. No. no. And, and a lot of the organisms that live on your skin just don't do well in the fermentation environment. Yeah. So even like bacteria, whatever, viruses, whatever. The type on. that are on your skin. Now, the type that occur naturally in grain and on fruit and, and on about anything you would make alcohol from, that's where organisms that grow well in those environments. You know, as fruit is sitting there on the ground decaying, uh, there's yeast in there producing alcohol. I mean, I've you've seen videos of monkeys that were like drunk because they're eating <laughs> fruit that was already half fermented. Yeah. You know, the yeast is already there. So it just takes a perfect storm of different things before it's going to be that dramatic there, but but it's already there. So fingers are different than like, you know, I'd be more worried about somebody squeezing a peach in my fermenter <laughs> than like uh, sticking their finger in there. <laughs> so it's never enough. happened. Brought this from Georgia. Just kind of <laughs> yeah, a little, little peach fermentation. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of have one last question I want to talk about just to really rack your brain here because you're, you know, you're, you know this stuff because there's a lot of people out there and they gravitate towards old bourbons you know we kind of talk about like a little dusty thing going on and people are like oh i wish somebody could recreate stitzel weller i mean with all the bacteria that you have and fermentation with solutions and you know the yeast and everything like that like you have a lot of components from a lot of different places i mean even we talked about with castle and key you know they're saying like oh we found something in a pipe somewhere and tried digging out and tried to you know figuring out what that is i'm sure you know much more scientific way to say it but what is found in the pipes? Yeah, well, what is? I mean, is there really a way that you can recreate like the whiskeys that used to come out in like the seventies and eighties and stuff like that? I mean, do you really think that's a possible thing? Um, well, for sure, you know, and and we do a lot of that kind of work for people. You know, that's one of the other benefits of uh, working with, closely with the lab is, you know, hey, I got this hundred year old bourbon here. Can you decipher it? Well, I'm going to need a sample. I <laughs> need to taste this first. Yeah, exactly. I need about a hundredth of a milliliter run on my machine in there, and I need about half a liter to uh, <laughs> do some other testing. But um, you know. A lot of times, you know, even though we look at things like, I mean, the proof, it just the proof itself will tell you something, you know, if you're tasting something and don't really know what the proof is, you, you can't really, you don't have a frame of reference, you know. So there's simple things like that. Um, there are tests like, can we detect gluten, wheat gluten? And that would indicate it has wheat in it versus if there's none of that in there, there it may indicate that it's not a wheat. But some of the best information that we get is actually the organoleptic testing, you know, the smelling and the tasting. I mean, we put people, myself, Shane, uh, my brother, Mike, out in the distillery. He's a, a chef, you know, gourmet chef. He's got a really good palate on him. Macaulay, he's got a really good palate. We got a, a lot of people here that's got good palates. And so we just lay the samples out every now and then. And uh, when we have those kind of things, we can get very valuable information just off of tasting and smelling it. But also we have, you know, Jarrett uh, Smith, you know, he's a historian. He's, he uh, specializes in like Appalachian history and things and a lot of bourbon. And you can go in the historic documents. You go over here to the uh, Getz Museum in Bardstown and there's mash bills hanging on the wall. From, really? Yeah, yeah. And you look at some I of those old. I always wondered what was in there. Yeah, it's I've, actually I've been pretty driving by cool. it my whole life. <laughs> yeah, but we've actually we had one. I can't remember the name of the uh, the name of the brand, but it was an old brand that used to be made at, at what is now Maker's Mark, and the family brought in a bottle, and we the best information we got was from a a billboard that was hanging up in the, the Guest Museum. Wow, so like. I think too with Dusty's, you know, the oxygen sitting in a bottle for a while is. Can you like recreate that some like oxygen levels in a, you know, to where it can kind of pull out those flavors as well? Well, or is that know, impossible? It's it's just so hard to do that. I mean, you know, instead of trying to do a thousand things to try to recreate a bourbon, <laughs> right? Pick an easy method and see if it doesn't make a damn good bourbon, and then you don't have to do all these other steps. And we we. Our philosophy is always keep things as simple as they can possibly be. Keep it simple, stupid. Keep That's it simple, too. stupid. And, and, you know, when we look at things like selecting grain and grain quality and yeast strains and all those kind of things, well, how about how much electricity am I using out here? How much steam am I having to generate 
to, to heat my mash cookers up. So we start tweaking all that kind of stuff down to where, you know, not only are we making great tasting whiskey, but we're also saving every dime we can on utilities and, you know, being more sustainable. And, uh, you know, same thing goes for the fact we're getting all of our grains locally. I mean, they're not having a truck, semi-truck those grains up to Louisville. You know, that's a big deal for them. Um, hopefully they might shave off a couple ducats. <laughs> yeah, there yeah, you, you go. Know. Um, a little discount there. Yeah, so, you know, there's a lot of those kind of things as well. well awesome. Well, Pat, I want to say thank you again for coming on the show today. I mean, you're a wealth of knowledge. I, I feel like we can just, like, throw random questions at you of just, like, we were wondering if we could do this, and you're like, well, we actually, we probably can. So yeah. it's really cool to kind of, again, pull your mind and, and kind of get some of those thoughts. And, you know, I, I want to say thank you again for also, like, tuning into a bunch of our live streams and stuff like that. I know oh, yeah, he, he pops in. Yeah, he pops in, and then everybody's like, oh. It's Pat. It's Pat. Pat's here. So more publicity. That's right. <laughs> he's always selling. Always. Yeah. He's on the live stream. He's like, anybody need any yeast? <laughs> got, got eight hours of work, eight hours of selling. Yeah. <laughs> Sell that work. Posting on like bourbon R. Have you ever heard of this brand? <laughs> bourbon R. <laughs> All right. So you can always check out Pat. Uh, you know, he's over here at Wilderness Trail and Really good stuff. Really great whiskey. We're excited to actually go and pick out a barrel today that, of course, be, yes. it'll be available to our Patreon community, which by the time this probably comes out, it's already sold out, which I mean, yeah. it means we'll have to come back again. Yep. They'll have to have invite us again. So we sort of do get to go to the future. We yeah, do. Pretty yes. much. Yeah. Pretty much. See? We pretty much know it's going to sell out. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much know it's going to sell out. All the information I gave today will be obsolete by January 2020. <laughs> yep. It'll all change. <laughs> but Pat, thank you again for coming on. I really do appreciate it. And if you like the show, want to support the show, leave us a review, patreon.com slash bourbon pursuit and follow us uh, wherever you, you know, on your own social media or everywhere. So, yep. With that, cheers, everybody. And we'll see you all next week. <laughs>